from Radiance by Catherine M. Valente. Because noir isn't really a new thing at all, it's just a fairy tale with guns. Your hard scrabble detective is nothing more than a noble knight with a cigarette and a disease where his heart should be. He talks prettier, that's all. He's no less idealistic. There are good women and bad women, good jobs and bad jobs. Justice and truth are always worth seeking. He pulls his fedora down like a visor on a suit of armor. He serves his lord faithfully whether he wants to or not, and he is enthralled to the idea of a woman. It's just that in detective stories, women are usually dead before the curtain goes up. In fairy tales, they're usually alive. This is Gothic. Season 4 of the Gothic Podcast may contain sensitive material not suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Wind rattles the window casement as I stare outside. I can't see much. Between the hammering rain and the leaded panes, only the vague impressions of light outside reach me. The glass is warped with age so that there are almost designs in the surface. The wind and rain don't make a dent in the fog tonight. Even on a clear day, which seem rare lately, it's like looking at an alien world. It's okay, though. That's the way I like it. If I can't see the world, it can't see me, right? Anyway, I'm worried about another rain right now. The rain of bodies. The rain. When my landlord fell to his death, or was he already dead? Him and so many others. I look at the corkboard where I try to organize my thoughts. All of them are written down the right side. Echo's sister, Cadence's friend, and Ariel's tailor top the list. For some reason, my eye seems to slide away from the names, but I force it back. Mr. Singh, Echo's sister, Hannah, Mr. White. Somebody has to remember them. Somebody has to figure out how the conspiracy killed them. In the center of the board are cards with the theories of where the bodies from the rain came from. Airplane? Weather? Aliens? Heaven? This last one is at the center with a red string connecting it to another card on the left side, Ezekiel. Below is a new card after yesterday at work, Ivy Corp. It's circled, underlined, with a question mark and three exclamation points. Yellow string connects it to the other cards. They must be involved, but how? I know who it is before I even look at the door. No one else even has the address for this closet of an apartment. I toss a sheet over the board and go to the door. Sure enough, Mr. Hensley. I don't put on my hat. If there's one person I want to see what his stupid church did to me, it's him. No surprise, he wants money. Nick, Dylan, and Jody are sick. Again. I give him as much as I have. Again. This time he seems to want more, though. His eyes linger on the shrouded board, like he finally knows what I'm looking into. He always did have his suspicions about how the church burnt down. 
I make an excuse about being tired, about needing to be up for work so I can give him more money. It's a lie, but he doesn't care where I work, only that he gets his pound of flesh. So he goes, and I'm alone again. I pull the sheet away from the board and glance at it, but I'm getting nowhere. I have to get more information. We have to get more. The window rattles again under a fresh gust, and I get lost looking out at the distorted lights again. There is definitely at least an L and streetcars. Mm, street oh, cars yeah, and streetcars. Nice. So, hey, welcome back, everybody, uh, to us discussing the world-building aspects of uh, the city in our City of Mist RPG season. Is there a Space Needle? There is not a Space Needle. <laughs> well, that's too bad. Is there some kind of defining skyline there feature? A like there's exactly, there yeah. <laughs> To define the skyline of the city, you would have to be able to look at the city from outside of it. Okay. You can see a skyline oh. right below. Okay, that's fine. That's fair. I feel like um, a, a Patreon yes. patron ought to pink. get to... <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't disagree. So, actually, Sojourners, if you uh, send us a message by Instagram or on Twitter, or uh, we'll give extra weight if you are a, a Patreon patron, send us some of the things that we should see in the skyline of the city. I love this. This is a great idea. Yeah. We can't go wrong. Maybe your architectural design will appear in a future episode of the Gothic, the Gothic Podcast. Podcast, which I've already said because of the intro part. Bam, ba-dum, ba-dum, ba-dum. <laughs> That's already happened, too. That's no, part of the this... name. You have to pronounce the music as you say <laughs> the name of the podcast. <laughs> oh, by the way, you might want to listen, um, cast, to the um, you know first episode when it comes out. You might notice a small change in something. What could it be? What could it be? Well, with the hint just given, probably Zoe Hovland's wonderful theme music. Zoe! Last time in City of Mist, we saw a day in the life of our characters as they went about their various businesses, most of which revolve around a record shop and recording studio called The Metal Shop. But that isn't the only thing that our primary uh, characters are concerned about, because there has been something called the Reign of Bodies, a day, or rather night, when bodies just fell from the sky, not just a few, a lot. And this was big news for a couple of days. But then everything faded, and everyone bought into the story that it was a tragic airplane accident. But our protagonists here, they actually see more through the mist than the average person in town. They are, in fact, rifts. They are characters whose ordinary Everyday lives are now also twinged, twinged, tinged, <laughs> twinged. My mythos gave me carpal tunnel. Whose everyday, ordinary lives are not the only thing they know anymore. There are mythos, folk tales, um, legends, fictional uh, characters and ideas 
trying to express themselves through our heroes, if heroes they be. And as those mythos express themselves, our characters, you'll see, find themselves having powers, powers beyond that of mortal kin, and also able to see through the mist, see through the fog and the haze that the mist of the city casts over its population. And our heroes want to know the secrets of the reign of bodies, and they might have gotten a lead, for they encountered someone who had seen one of their dead relatives riding a motorcycle down the street. It was his grandma. And no, she didn't ride a, street, uh, ride a motorcycle in life, and yes, she was quite dead, at last he knew. But before they could question him too much, well, he forgot, of course, and just remembered that she had died in her sleep some weeks before. But he did remember, for at least a little bit longer, that the, the van that uh, was traveling with the motorcycle, and in fact with a couple of other motorcycles of very similar make, was that of Ivy Corp. Now, in the city, Ivy Corp is pretty well known. It is a big delivery service. Well, delivery and warehousing service. They deliver all sorts of things for everybody. Um, Think Amazon. No, that probably is dangerous. Think Amazon. (laughs) (laughs) And you'll get the idea. But they don't sell the products, they just deliver them uh, and store them in between deliveries. But it is big business, and the corporation is one of the big movers and shakers in the city. Now, we join our characters um, sometime later than when we left them last episode, and they have brought in to the fold one of their sources, one of their contacts, the Private investigator, Ariel Farouche, or something close to that, because as I've been told, my French accent <laughs> sucks. Well, that was good. That was good. That was all right. It's Ariel Farouche, I say. Uh, we need to get a croissant. Oh. <laughs> I am now sorry, sorry, sorry to all of the French speakers out there in the world. So, those of you at the metal shop, how do you bring your contact? Ariel, in on this mission. Baz would definitely have called her, having uh, made use of her investigative services, uh, or at least expertise, in the past. Uh, He thinks this bears some investigation. Okay. Now, did you discuss this with the others, or are you pursuing this on your own? So, I see the conversation that our characters were having as having continued after uh, Fender Jackson had left. And we were trying to make sense of it. Uh, and, you know, he's looking at his notebook, which mostly just says... I think it was just Fender Jacks. Yeah. Fender Jacks? Oh, okay. Thank you. Uh, so now you have to repeat all of that. <laughs> Welcome to podcast. Ivy Corp. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Question agree. mark, exclamation point, exclamation point. <laughs> star, star, smiley face. Um, no, I, I was thinking the same thing, so I, I agree with that. And he would have said, you know... Uh, I think we need to call Ariel. So Ariel's been called in on this. Now, what are you what are you hoping what are you hoping to get from from her? Investigative expertise. Because clearly we don't have it. Mm. 
We are, in fact, in over our heads. Yeah. <laughs> I particularly want to find out if she knows, if she's heard anything about Ivy Corp specifically or these motorcycles. Exactly. I mean, if we describe these motorcycles that, that was seen by Fender, I mean, maybe she would know a little bit more about them. Some time has passed, and yes, um, Ariel's been able to do some investigating. Now, we are playing a game here, so, Ariel, we need you to make an investigation roll. However, before you make any dice rolls, we need to find out if there's any tags you would like to add to this this move that you're about to make. It's so general. What are your logos tags? They're all related to my personality. Mm. All right. So, but that's not going to be very much use against, you know, investigating a corporation. You know, Buzz, I'll see what I can do, but um, I'm more used to going up against an individual, not a big, big corporation. Ivy Corp is huge. How am I supposed to uh, leave it to me? I'll find something. So I think that I would. If you don't have any tags, then you just roll straight with zero power. If you get a hit, then you are considered... To have uh, one power. Well, I wonder, uh, does it have to be my logo theme? No, no, you can you can bring your mythos into it. Because uh, for my, myth- my mythos, I have a deck stacked against me when I'm fighting an enemy bigger than I am, or many enemies bigger yeah. than I am. Interesting. Mm. I think you might be able to use the, the group tag, Shop Talk. Oh, yeah. Because you're kind of listening for gossip. Mm. I am definitely putting my ear on the street. Is that how you say it? (laughs) (laughs) So you're using one of your mythos things, which is cool. And I think that makes a lot of sense, given your uh, mythos, uh, which I don't feel is going to be a big secret to our listeners, uh, given your intro um, last episode. Are you giving Um, me away? So the, you know, the the big bad wolves of the city... Mm -hmm. Are are fair game for you, in fact, uh, because of your mythos side, anyway. So I think that uh, you are correct. I think that'd probably be a uh, plus two. All right, plus two. Roll two d six plus two. Well, that's good because I rolled a natural five, <laughs> so <laughs> seven. <laughs> mm. So on a seven, you succeeded. So um, you uh, get clues plus power. Now, you can mark that on a sheet somewhere, but or you can just ask now. You can spend your clues one for one uh, to ask me a question about the subject of your investigation or ask another player a relevant question about their character if you're trying to get insight into them. But in this case, it's you'd ask me a couple of questions, and you can at least can confer on what kind of questions you want to ask. But uh, you did get a seven to nine. On a seven to nine, I get to choose. I can choose one of these. Investigation exposes you to danger. The clues you get are fuzzy, incomplete, or part true, part false, or whoever or whatever you are asking the questions of can ask you a question as well. Or you angel wing into town. Or you angel wing. <laughs> or you into angel town. wing to okay. the complication. <laughs> All right, so you don't get to choose those. I get to choose if I want to do any of those. So let's find out uh, first of all. Um, what are what are the questions you want to know? What are you What do you want to ask me? And then we'll see how you're going about finding out. Feel free to weigh in here, guys, but I want to know if Ivy Corps knew in advance about this whole bodies from the sky question. Ooh, that's a biggie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> on, a, on a similar note, are we aware of each other's riftness? Probably or not yet. At least Echo right? Cadence and Baz. 
So Baz like, would think also, that I don't know. the two of you are more aware than than uh, what what he would probably call the normies. You know, that yeah, is yeah, kind yeah, of where yeah, yeah. Echo's at also. Okay. Yeah. Just, I just wanted to make sure we were on the same page on that. No, you're right. Like, we do kind of canonically, like, recognize each other's ability to remember stuff, so. Well, and that's kind of where I was thinking with Fender is, is Fender a rift? Is he like me? Is he like Cadence? Is he like Baz? Mm-hmm. And he forgot really quickly. He yeah, did. so it seems not. If you don't want to risk, you know, making any sort of rolls on that, then your your assumption can pretty easily be no. Uh, Now, everybody has the potential in the city, any character has the potential of something setting them off and becoming a rift. Uh, And and they don't have to start it touched, which, uh, dear listeners, sojourners there in the dark, in the mist. In the night. uh, The touched are ones who are primarily their logos, primarily their mundane lives, and only have a little bit of their mythic self included. Uh, And then it goes up from there, where it just progressively gets more until you hit Avatar stage, where they're all mythos. They're all the the fairy tale, the legend, the myth that is working through them. And they become a major serious force in the city at that point. But yeah, I mean, you can guess. You don't know for sure unless you want to do a little bit more investigating, you know, into the Fender Jacks issue. I think still just kind of leaving it as it was, giving the information we could. Mm-hmm. But as a like a mental note, Echo is like, maybe there are more that are touched mm-hmm. by this ability than just the few that I sus- suspect. And I have been, I, I will admit, you know, as always, Sojourners, we don't know how to play this game. Um, <laughs> but we never do. I will buy that for Ariel. That you could ask the question, but, you know, in that case, it's definitely going to be a fuzzy, incomplete, or part true, part false answer, <laughs> because you don't have the, you don't have the background yet. That's really a, the overall question, is what does Ivy, Corp, what does Ivy Corp's involvement? Mm-hmm, um, I'm happy with suggestions about what are smaller bites out of that, that I could pursue. Yeah, I was going to suggest maybe, like, have Ivy Corp trucks been sighted in the vicinity of uh, a motorcycle guard before in a way that's been noticed by people you know that you've heard about or even with a a dead person yeah Mm -hmm. okay have there been any any reports of that that you know you've picked up or anything like that okay um well hang on let let, let me brainstorm the second one and we'll see a second question Mm -hmm. yep you have two clues to work with to spend they don't have to be spent now they can be spent in pursuit of the same thing. How are you going about getting this information? You, you used Shop Talk and you used uh, your Mythos one, which is what? Deck stacked against me. The, uh, it's, my, it's part of my expression. Mm-hmm. Okay. Power related to my expression. I mean, probably asking the question, how much does Ivy Corp, this enormous corporation, know? It, you know, you're putting yourself against a pretty large entity there. Okay, so what's a smaller angle I can pursue? Well, no, I think you, I think because of the tags you use, that that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. To, to go big? Yeah. Okay. So I just go right to the Ivy Corp office and I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> what did you know? Well, that, I mean, that's, You're clearly involved with this body's raining from the sky of business. 
<laughs> what do you know about dead people on motorcycles? Well, thanks, everybody. Um, we had a really good season four. Um, <laughs> the answer, we knew all about it. It was us. We're the bad guys. You got us. Yep. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> Golly, guys, that was a great mystery. <laughs> Okay, for your next one, um, so uh, Old Man uh, Withers down at the amusement park is really... <laughs> All right, well, in the absence of other angles, like, I, I'm really, I really am curious. Well, no, so, okay, so what it sounded to me like, you wanted to know, is this a normal thing um, to have the trucks have this motorcycle guard? Mm-hmm. And you want to know if they know about the rain. Right. What is their, you know, what is their connection to the rain? Do they, do they know, do they, are they involved? Okay. You know, what, what is their connection to the rain? And uh, what is this business with the motorcycle cavalcade? We find ourselves on a rainy evening. It's not raining hard, just slightly better than a mist. And Ariel is down in the warehouse district. And she is staked out outside of a particular building, a warehouse that does not prominently display the Ivy Corp logo, but which she has found through asking around at her office and doing a little bit of background checking belongs to Ivy Corp. This particular building she chose because it's the one that has the most business, you might say, of Ivy Corp's trucks coming here with, well, with escorts anyway. No guns or knives have ever been, you know, clearly spotted anyway. Uh, But, uh, you know, you don't normally have an escort without weapons, so there's assumptions that can be made. But this particular warehouse is one where the trucks have gone that have had motorcycle escorts, as described by Fender Jacks, the um, lead singer of um, of the uh, heavy salmon. metal band Salmon, Ex- salmon Explosion. Explosion. <laughs> Exploding Salmon was an old name that they uh, toyed around with. At this they- <laughs> point, I would also like to thank the players of um, the Gothic Podcast for choosing a recording studio as their base of operations so that I can finally start working my way through all of the band (laughs) names that I have in my phone. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I forgot about that. (laughs) I love that idea. Yes. I I did Google Sasquatch Howl to make sure that it was not actually already a band name or anything like that. And it is not. I love Sasquatch Howl. That's great. Mm. All right, so I have tracked the motorcycle cavalcade with the Ivy Corp van truck, whatever, to this warehouse. Yes, and you are there, and you have um, staked this out for a couple of days. You finally see what you want to see, which is a van comes in. They have not come. Your boss is not being happy, Mr. Mr. Fish. Mr. Fish. F I S H E. Your boss, <laughs> Mr. Fish, as in microfish, <laughs> has not been happy about uh, you t- 
taking this personal time to work on a case that isn't really connected to anything they have open at the moment. Um, although you could make him happier if you want to try to roll a convince roll. Just 2d6 straight. Uh, unless you have any tags that you feel would help you uh, in trying to convince someone of something. Isn't your Logos theme personality? <laughs> uh, I have uh, one of my tags is, isn't she sweet? But I feel that's probably more useful on strangers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got, uh, as part of my subversion theme, I've got lone wolf. Oh, there you I go. Mean, that's good. I work better alone. <laughs> you can trust me or fire me. <laughs> All right. I'll give you a plus uh, a power one tag there. All right. So 2d6 plus one, eight plus one, nine. Nine. Nice. Very nice. You get to give him a status. Ooh, this is our first status that's giving, oh. uh, that we give to somebody. Um, <coughs> and so that's going to have a tier of the power that you use, which was one. So you're going to be able to give him a tier one status, such as, oh, I don't know. Um, Maybe we can't go convinced seems too high for for seven and nine. Uh, maybe um, accepting like something like accepting one. You know, so this is how this works. When you come up with a status, you've got to come up with a weird name for it too. Mm-hmm. Welcome to City of Mist, everybody. But that's kind of the fun part too. You get to come up with these cool names. And preferably succinct. Uh, cautious, cautious acceptance. <laughs> cautious acceptance one. I was going to suggest begrudging. Oh, there you go. Yeah, begrudging. And then the target can either accept to take that status or give in a little and protect their own agenda. He's just going to take the status. He's going to take uh, begrudging acceptance one, and that sticks with him. So does that mean that he'll allow it, but I'm kind of on thin ice? It's, well, yes. Yeah, so it's begrudging acceptance. But the thing is that in the future, he will still have this status on him. And so it can be invoked whenever you try in the future to convince him of something. You can say, well, he's got begrudging acceptance one on him. Hmm. It worked. It worked once. And here's how I'm going to slide it by again. <laughs> puppy dog, puppy dog eyes, round two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the, uh, your honor, there's precedent. <laughs> yeah. That is yeah, 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 yeah. If I have begun to understand how this game works in the slightest, okay. that's how that works. <laughs> uh, it'll work as a negative status on him, which works as a positive for you. Okay. He was annoyed, but you, you were you, and you, you get results, and that makes things okay. So yeah, you've been waiting here for a couple of days. I mean, not twenty-four hours a day or anything, but take out. Uh, you've been staking it out. Now, have you been staking it out on the street or from like an abandoned apartment across the way or? Yeah, definitely a, a you know, high window somewhere nearby, apartment or warehouse. There's plenty of these places available to you in the city at the moment without you having to roll change the game to add a add a tag. But from that angle, you finally see a, a van pull up and it backs up to the loading dock because that's, of course, what you staked out. It'd be silly to, you know, stake out the front door with vans coming by. So you see this and the big steel roll door of the, uh, of the uh, warehouse opens up, uh, but the back of the lorry, the back of the van fits almost perfectly into it. 
and that rolls up too. And, and so you don't really see what's being unloaded. But what you do see is that this uh, van that has shown up was accompanied by two motorcycles, um, two sleek black motorcycles like those described by Fender Jacks. These are those teardrop motorcycles that we went into loving detail in episode one of season four. So please see season one of uh, season four, episode one for more (laughs) descriptions of these beautiful Art Deco motorcycles that I would probably sacrifice a great deal (laughs) to have one to to acquire. (laughs) Quite unmistakable. Yes, they are. And you also see that there are these riders on board. I mean. You know, of course, each motorcycle has a rider. It's not riding by itself. It's not like some sort of ghost motorcycle. That probably couldn't happen. That would be silly. But these are open half helmets. Why? Who knows? But you have binoculars, and you're viewing all of this, and it is hard for you not to gasp. And in fact, you do. I'm going to give you, in fact, (gasps) shocked one. (laughs) <laughs> this is temp- this is a temporary tag. Uh, you'll get over it. But in this scene, you have shocked one based on a previous role, Sojourners. Okay. Okay. Is Ariel of necessity alone? Baz did call her, and this is exactly the kind of thing he does with his off hours. So yeah, so Baz is with you. What is uh, what has that been looking like? Uh, you two here in this? Uh, it's just this room that you have with a window looking the right direction, dusty and unfurnished, dirty windows. If it were an option, Baz would feel compelled to uh, find his way to the roof and lurk there. Uh, kind of I would hunched. absolutely encourage him. To- <laughs> uh, on, the, on the parapet. Oh, my lord. <laughs> hunched on the parapet of the, uh, of the roof, just, mm-hmm. you know, conducting his own parallel scrutiny uh, and ready to, you know, jump in if anything went south. Uh, and protect Ariel, or, you know, observe and and try to get out of there if things went really south. Well, I don't really care how he poses once he's up there, but I would absolutely (laughs) encourage him (laughs) to get out of my hair. I work alone. (laughs) The face that you see, because they get off their motorcycles, and they pull something from the bike that has been, like, in one of those Art Deco teardrops apparently has a uh, some sort of container area in it. And they pull out this long container. Really, it looks like a sword sheath. And they each take one of these sword sheaths out of the uh, their bikes. Um, they're holding that as they kind of spread out two to either side of the van as it's being unloaded into the warehouse itself. Are they like weirdly in sync? No. No, that's us. <laughs> like like uh, <laughs> movements very coordinated uh... they're not like acting as one okay right because we just the new kids on the block oh, oh. God, i'm sorry <laughs> I, I regret everything bye 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 <laughs> in the next D game you play with me uh reduce your um <laughs> Inspiration by one. <laughs> That's not fair. Jesse doesn't play D anD D with us. <laughs> okay, so not a hive mind. No, they they move coordinated, but not you know as if they're all one entity. Good. 
But one, you know, they, they look around and one just happens to look up at you in your direction. And you see this person's face is sunk in, is it's adhered almost to their musculature and their bone, even though it is the awful fluorescent lights of a, of a single street lamp that is illuminating the scene and one security light over the roll-up door of the warehouse. Even so, you can see that they have no blood in their face, that they are completely pale. Their eyes are sunken, and inside of those sunken eye sockets are the orbs of their eyes, but the pupils is glowing red. Baz, are you seeing these? Baz is up on a parapet somewhere. <laughs> I can only assume that, I, that we would have a communication device, no? What does that communication is- <laughs> device look like? Remember, whatever technology you now state is canon. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm used to the other games where it's automatic and unobtrusive. Yeah. <laughs> I have a little scarab on my lapel. Uh, <laughs> hell yeah. Into the scarab. Hell so that yeah. it matches a scarab uh, that I have given to him. So it's like a oh, Star Trek uh, yes. communicator <laughs> button. All right. I wasn't thinking Star Trek so much. As, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's yeah. like that, but, though. Yeah. Or like Lucille Ball's fillings that uh, she thought were receiving radio broadcasts. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I like that too. (laughs) Occasional interference. This is a change the game kind of thing. This is adding a this is adding a story tag, a communication device. Um, I think it might be better coming from the recording studio than the PI office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it makes sense for the recording studio to have. uh, you know, a way to communicate with the people doing the recording without making noise in the recording booth. Okay. So we need to change the game. The then problem with that mm-hmm. is there's a little bit of delay when you're using the communication device because it has to record it and then send it. So it's like <laughs> you, you press the scarab and it records your voice and then it sends it to the other person and then they actually listen to it. And it's like, a, there's a delay. I'm sorry, I'm trying to work out the details, but there's love a it. little bit of delay in this communication device that <laughs> I I'm in love with. Okay. All right, well, who wants to roll the change the game for it to create this thing? I'll do it since I'm the sound engineer. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Makes sense. What do you got to, for tags? Okay, I'll go with my training section that is sound manipulation. Heck yeah. Uh, uh, technical troubleshooting or and or careful and measured. Hmm. I also mocked computers. Okay. Um, which ones of those do you think are most likely? I know the. I know all there is to know about audio creation and adjustment. So I'm thinking maybe that careful, and computers, careful and measured, or trouble or computers. You can't have more than one. I'll go with both of these. However, my weakness tag is I'm overconfident. So there may be glitches. All right. All right. Okay, great. So you're going to bring in your weakness tag. So, in fact, the the power turns out to be a power of one. Okay. um, And mark attention on that theme book. Attention? Mm Mm-hmm. 
How it's up toward the top like of the uh, of the theme book. Oh, there it is. So make one okay. mark. When you get three of those, you get an improvement. But you can only Excellent. get those by invoking your weakness tags. It gave me a power of one. Ah, oh, shoot. Because yep. I had a negative, because I'm overconfident. Yep. <laughs> well, that brought you down to a six. That overconfidence, you thought you could do it. But, uh, but no. Um, so there's a glitch. So you have these communication devices that uh, Echo made. They're, they're prototypes. It's this scarab that he made. It's kind of bulky, but it's, it's some sort of walkie-talkie thing. Uh, it's not real clear. You didn't really understand it. But you're just supposed to push it. It's this big, bulky scarab thing. And when you push it, the person on the other, who has the other scarab or scarabs, is supposed to be able to hear what you are saying. And so you, you push the scarab. And what do you say? Uh, Baz, are you seeing this? Their faces? Baz, up on the roof, uh, perched upon a, a stone gargoyle, uh, extending out uh, from the um, stonework edge of, the, uh, of this building that you're on. You're there. Your coat, what are you wearing? So it's going to be like a heavy, not quite burlap, uh, but, um, you know, very heavy fabric coat, you know, and, and his signature flat cap pulled down close against whatever mist or precipitation is going on. So, yeah, you're there in that burlap coat that you wear is flapping some in the, in the wind. There is a mist, but not a full-on rain. It's cool against your skin. And then you hear the um, scarab uh, that you uh, just tried out. It worked fine back in the uh, studio, but here it suddenly goes, Are you seeing this? <laughs> really loud. <laughs> and all uh, four oh, no. <laughs> of the uh, motorcycle riders uh, look up at your position. <laughs> oh, no. So, Echo and Cadence, you know that, uh, that the stakeout has been going on, and you all are outfitted with these scarabs <laughs> that uh, Echo made that's supposed to be kind of like a walkie-talkie communicator thing, but cooler looking. And they both just go off, and they just go, this is loud screeching. And then you hear, are you seeing this? And then more screeching, and then it cuts out. Uh, what do you do when you hear this? Where are you? Well, hey, Cadence, uh, you want to go grab a bite at that Chinese place across the street? Is this before the crackle or after the crackle? Before the crackle. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I was thinking, um, well, I'm the wheels, aren't I? So I'm probably waiting at the bottom of the uh, building from which they're staking out the place uh, to make sure they have some place warm to bundle their gear into at the end of the night. Do you want to call a flashback on this one to make that happen? Sure, let's call a flashback on this one. Excellent. So, once per session, um, you have the spotlight, which you do at the moment. Okay. Describe an action carried out by your character in the past flashback. and make a move for that action. So, stealth, I think, is the one that you're wanting here. Stealth move? Okay. All right. What could a tag be that I could be stealthy with? Oh, sorry. It's not called stealth here in City of Mist. It's called sneak around. Ah, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. I, well, I have a tag called designated driver. I don't know if that helps with stealth. 
with sneaking. Um, I guess I would say I know how to park in a way that seems, you know, like there's not people sitting in the car. Yeah, parking unobtrusively. Because you often have to, you know, park in strange places. Yeah. A designated driver thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd allow that. Anything else? Uh, well, it might help that I have uh, a 96 Ford Bronco, which is, uh, you know, not a particularly noticeable, you know. <laughs> All right. It's, it's, it's early. It's I'll give it to you. It's not the most obnoxiously. 1896? 1996. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It's an 1896 Ford Bronco. <laughs> it's this horse. He's a Bronco. <laughs> I call him horse. Ford. He's a- <laughs> and then uh, I want to make a pitch, Patrick, for Roads on the Other Side, which explicitly is about moving around without being seen. But that's using your mythos and sort of be becoming part of the fogs and the, and the mists here. Do you convince yeah. me to be part of this observation? Of I the... can convince you to be part of the observation. Okay. So essentially, Listen. all four of you have been staking out this place for a couple of nights after work. Yeah, and like me and Echo are like the like support people maybe down in the car. Okay. All right. Or even drop me off down the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The spotters and getaway driver. Echo, are you down the street or are you in the car? Uh I would probably be dropped off down the street and walking up. All the time? Just, um well, I mean, I could use one of my other tags from another logos to look harmless and just be strolling up down the street. Well, first of all, let's see how the sneak around worked, uh, how well it did okay. for um, Kate's. Were you saying yes to roads on the other side? Yeah, I'll let you do that. Uh, that is a total of 11. Wow. With a power of three. Look at yeah. you. You did a sneak around. This is our flashback. Um, so tell us what this looked like when you, when you pull into this area and you set up for the night. You drop off Baz and, and um, Ariel. And mm-hmm. they go up into the building. But what is what does it look like where you are? Uh, yeah, so I think approaching where I will eventually park the car, um, I do that thing where I switch the lights off and I switch the wipers off. So I'm trying to make as little noise as possible. And the car goes technically more silent than it should. And I just kind of roll very, very quietly down the street. Maybe I'm not even touching the gas. I'm just kind of creeping along really, really quietly and just very, very gently and silently pull into the parking spot. You brought in your aspect of your mythos, uh, roads on the other side, where you you can travel kind of in a ghostly kind of fashion. Yeah, that's kind of what I was trying to be like. Uh, car goes more silent than it should. Maybe I'm like literally fading in and out of the mist as I roll along. So it almost blends in with the background, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. You've done that fairly well. Uh, now, Echo, what what about you? You're doing this walking up and down. You're being... I think I'm going to need a, probably a sneak around from you, too. Especially okay. right now. So normally yeah. I'm not going to say it. I'm, uh, you're just doing your thing normally. But right now, this is back in the future. The flashback setup that you two are now here. Right. You know, but right now you are actually... You know, just on the street. So we'll need a sneak around from you, too. What kind of tags do you have for that? I, the way Echo kind of imagines this is Cadence drops him off. He stops into the convenient mot, picks up a bottle of something. It could just be Sprite. It could be something harder. Um, but he puts it in a nice brown paper bag. 
and takes his time just kind of wandering up the street, stopping here and there, leaning against the light post, and he looks harmless. That's the tag I'm going to use. Um, that is part of my routine. Uh, logos. And sneak around is going to be... There's the roll. Mm. Which is what for our listeners of this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting over to that page right now, I promise. <laughs> it's a seven. All right, that is excess with a power of one. It got complicated. The MC chooses one. Oh, I love these. I love these. <laughs> yeah, these are great. really like the middle one. You're perceived only by a secondary scent sense. Or Echo drops their flask. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh All no, right. my sprite! Here's the thing, um, Echo. Hey, don't mess with my flask. <laughs> <laughs> it says holy water. I love it. That's great. <laughs> An actual flask that says holy water. I assume that it's actually blessed water inside of that. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Here's the thing, Echo. You are the audio person. And so when the screech begins to come over the the scarab, you you know what's going to happen. You realize that it's gone bad, and you realize that you're close enough that if this thing squeals on you, uh, that it's really going to literally be that <laughs> you've been squealed on. And uh, they're going to notice you, and their attention will be drawn to you as well. The only way that you can um, keep from being immediately discovered, and all this goes through your mind in just a moment, is to take this scarab and just fling it as far as you can uh, away from you. Oh, definitely. Uh, Either that or I'm throwing it on the ground, stomping it, and walking away. Stomp on it, walk away, make it look like I wasn't there. Yeah, as soon as it starts to squeal, you drop it and you just crush it underneath your heel and... um, you might wince a little bit as the popping and frying of the uh, circuitry happens. Because it wasn't, you know, easy to make or cheap. And, you know, it wasn't my finest production because obviously it alerted them to my location. Inside the Bronco, uh, the Bronco itself appears to be soundproofing enough. The, the motorcyclists don't turn and look at you, Cadence, but they do turn their attention up. And, you know, and they turn their attention up at the building that you um, know Ariel and Baz are in. You could hope that they were both inside. You know Baz well enough. Cadence, what you see is that two of them draw their swords out of these sheaths that they have, these long katanas, these Japanese long swords, and they move to stand back flanking the van on either side, while two others don't draw their swords, but with them in one hand, they rush toward the building, and they don't go in. They leap onto the side of the building and start scrambling up. Ah! Baz, what do you do as your scarab obviously gives away your position? I'm going to take the risk. Take the risk? What are you going to do? Baz will jump down off of the roof, uh, attempt to catch the lintel of the window frame, and crash through it where he knows Ariel is waiting, and essentially just scoop her up and and run out the back. Okay. Taking the risk is when you perform a daring, risky, or outright stupid feat. Qualifies. (laughs) (laughs) 
you get to um, roll plus power. So what what uh, power tags do you think you're going to use here? I want to use protect the vulnerable as a power tag uh, because he immediately believes that these people are going to scale the building and come after Ariel. He wants to use immense strength from uh, the Bastion theme book, as well as there in a flash, which I imagine to be essentially him being able to get places quickly by parkouring, (laughs) (laughs) essentially, uh, to kind of stay unnoticed. Parkour! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he even says it. Parkour! Parkour! Uh, Shouts it out. <laughs> but, Comes across the scarab communicators. Right. <laughs> With a squeal. Uh, I feel like I need to invoke the wit- the weakness tag tunnel vision, because at this point he has, you know, stupidly, decided that there's only one important thing here, and he needs to rescue uh, the person who's who's become in danger, and he's oblivious to other things. That is a lot of tags, so go ahead. Yeah. Okay, so rolling, take the risk with a power of two. Okay. That's a nine. A nine. Yeah. Things get messy. Yeah, you, you do. You, you just fall down the side of the building, grab a hold of that ledge right by the window, smash through it. Glass falls down into the uh, into the street. You grab up Ariel and rush with her across the room and down um, into the stairwell and just careening away. At the uh, same time, those uh, two that started climbing the wall get to the window and they look in. Of course, they see nothing now, um, but they saw what they saw. Uh, They turn and um, they leap back down, just jumping, straight out jumping down all the way to the ground. Thoom! They land with, like, superhero poses. Cadence and Echo, what you see, even as the other two are uh, moving toward their motorcycles as the uh, gate of the warehouse closes and as the back of the van closes, those two that are still with the van, those start to pull away, while the two that remain here they look around and start moving up and down the street, searching, it appears. And on that note, we'll find out what happens next time on the Gothic Podcast. The Gothic Podcast is a horror and humor actual play audio drama produced by C. Patrick Nagel and Goblin Brook Manor, LLC. Starring C. Patrick Nagel, Sharon Gallery Lafournaise, Jesse Baldwin, Eric Halbert, and me, Kirsten Valerie. Our logo was designed by Jared George Art, and our theme music is by Zoe Hovland. We stay afloat thanks to you, so if you can, please support us on Patreon and follow, like, and review us on iTunes and all our social media platforms. Thanks for joining us in the dark, Sojourners. Have we declared a flashback? But I'm well into description. Okay, sorry. <laughs> nope. Apologies. <laughs> this game is 2D6, right?
<laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll cut that part out.